Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. Do you remember that scene in Meet the Parents where Robert De Niro's character sits down with Ben Stiller's character and is interviewing him, or I guess better put, interrogating him uh, in preparation for him dating and being engaged to his daughter and hooks him up to a lie detector test, otherwise known as a polygraph, and asks him a lot of probing questions, including questions about pornography. It's funny, when I talk with people who are dating, they often reference that scene and wish maybe in some kind of a fantasy way that they could somehow uh, get that kind of information out of the person they're dating to find out whether they've had a sketchy past or whether they've made mistakes that would later cause future problems in the relationship. Really wondering, you know, where's this person been? You know, what patterns do they have in their life? Are they addicted to anything? So many questions when you're dating someone and just really trying to figure out who they are. Well, I've got Vonna Davis back on the podcast today. She's from Reach 10, an organization that helps young people talk about pornography. And they've produced a really fabulous guide on dating and how to talk about pornography. And the good news is, is you don't need to have a polygraph machine and you don't need to interrogate anybody. There are some really helpful ways for both men and women to talk about the presence of pornography, their experiences with it, and bigger than that, just how they manage emotions and how they deal with connection and intimacy and other topics that are really delicate but so important when you're trying to build a new relationship and form a family, form a bond. Vana and I had a great conversation uh, in this interview about how to have this conversation, how to support young people as they uh, date and really start to look into you know, making a commitment with somebody for the rest of their lives. So let's listen in and talk about dating and the conversation about pornography. Okay, welcome back to the podcast, Vana. It's great to be here, Jeff. Well, last time we talked about your organization, Reach10.org, and how you're working to change the conversation and really educate and empower and, and strengthen people, give them permission to go out and start f forming groups and presentations and starting to get the word out about how this affects people and what they can do about it, how to build healthy relationships and heal and just write all of that. And so um, if you haven't listened to our last episode where Vana talks about her organization and some very specific talking points about how to start these conversations with other people, then I encourage you to go back and listen to that. And of course, you can research more about what she's doing on reach10.org. But today, I specifically want to want to dive into one area that's very challenging and fragile and sensitive for young adults. And this is the topic of dating and talking about pornography. I, I can't tell you how many young people I've talked to over the years who wonder, you know, when to bring this up or how to bring this up or is this a deal breaker there's just so much fear and so many questions about this because they hear the horror stories uh the mm -hmm. worst case scenarios right of, of people that um that married someone who struggled with this or it was undisclosed or these kinds of things so um i'm guessing in your talks with young people this is why you've developed resources and are, are talking a lot about this because this came up i'm guessing right oh yeah questions all the time just like you mentioned you know, how do we get 
past this wall of fear and silence and talk about what's really going on and, uh, you know, how do I react to what I find out and make decisions and be kind and yet protect myself and all of that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, because I think that, I don't know, I mean, you're talking to more young people than I am, but I, I'm guessing that a lot of, um, and I, I, we're going to generalize a little bit here, I recognize that girls do struggle with pornography as well, um, but but a lot of the, the girls I've talked to, young young adult women that I've talked to, they at some level expect that every guy that they're going to date has had some exposure to pornography. Is that pretty much the common sense now? Is that what people are saying? Right. Okay. Or there, or there is some maybe innocent belief that there are guys out there who've never seen it before. And I want one of those, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. you know, which, um, you know, neither one is quite accurate. So, okay. And I'm glad you brought up that, you know, the women who struggle as well. Yeah. And so probably about a third of young women have some kind of issue with a form of pornography. And I actually heard that from a stake president in a YSA stake, uh-huh. according to, he said he's interviewed 6,000 young adults preparing for missions and things like that. And he even said like a third of the women that he's interviewing for missions, you know, have some struggle. You may got started with movies or whatever. Uh-huh. And so I think, you know, right now it is, um, we definitely want to talk about, okay, there's these traditions of like, it's the guys who struggle and the girls who are trying to figure out the story. <laughs> I think the future is going to be that we we need to help young couples who, where both of them have some kind of sexual addiction or problem. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that it's it goes beyond just perversion and more about Mm-hmm. mismanaging emotions and just numbing out. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of young people and even older people that are, you know, totally binging on trashy TV and, right, mm-hmm. that may not meet the definition of hardcore pornography, but right. there's just a lot of themes and other kinds of stuff that are just numbing people out. And so right. I think to expand the conversation to, I mean, it almost be like a dating question, right? Like, so how do you mood alter, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh because yeah, pornography, chocolate, yeah. whatever. You know, there's just not to minimize the right. seriousness of a, of an addiction. I would never want to do that, but mm-hmm. but I think what you're saying is like, look, let's not get so narrow and assume that okay, we've got this one little this one area covered and I'm off the hook and everybody else as long as the guy is like, you know, we've discovered his secret story, then we're fine. Mm-hmm. When really yeah. there's a bigger discussion about how are these things affecting both of us? Yes, right? exactly. How have they affected us um, over the years as young people? How are we going to deal with it in the future? Those kinds of things. And that's the perfect way to start a conversation. Instead of saying, have you ever seen pornography? Have you ever used pornography? Yeah. That bigger, like, wow, like how has pornography affected you and your life? Yeah. Um, and, you know, what, what have been your experiences? How did your parents talk to you about it? Um, or did you know, they? Just, yeah. Right. 
And they, and they all have a story about how their parents talked to them about it or didn't talk to them about it. So it's a great Yeah, story. or how they discovered a parent looking at it or a brother or a sister okay. or a babysitter or that, you know, everybody's been been influenced or, or affected by it in some way or another, directly or indirectly. Mm-hmm. And so there is a conversation that can happen about this. It's not just a yes or no question. Right. You know, and so that first question is often, well, when do I start this conversation? And many girls especially have gotten a message that you should find out right away. You should ask them maybe on the first date or oh, soon. Oh my. Really? It's happening a lot. And it it's a misguided sense of like take charge yeah. and protect yourself. But of course it comes across to a young man who gets asked that as like, I'm not interested in you unless you give me the right answer and I'm weeding people out. Right. right? So what does that do to this whole, again, shaming <laughs> and safe places to talk? Um, you know, the truth is we don't really have the right to find out someone's most personal I- info when we first meet them. Oh, yeah. I think Brene Brown said that someone has to earn the right to hear our shame story. Absolutely. Yeah. So so then we move on to like, well, then when is the right time? So it's going to be in a relationship where you've known each other for a while, you've talked about other tough issues and you've found out that you can trust each other, that there's still, you know, some support and love through that. And you're starting to think and talk about a future together. Um, and it's better to talk about it before you get engaged because someone has the right to know what their um, Saying yes experience to. is going to be, what yeah. it's going to be like to marry to someone who's had that history or where, whatever place they're in. Yeah, dating is really the time for discovering and engagement's just time to prepare for the wedding. Mm-hmm. But that that discovery process, I mean, you have to know what you're saying yes to. You have to have full consent. Right. And of course, we don't want to say, well, a couple who hasn't done this yet and they're engaged, of course, it's never too late. <laughs> So, or even a married couple, right? I mean, I, I tell people, look, couple. you know, have yeah. the car. I, I remember one couple I, I talked with, uh, he, he came out with, they were married and he was discovered, um, he was caught by his wife having a pornography issue. And as she was talking to her parents about it, her mother went and confronted her dad. They had never talked about it. And they were oh. in their 60s. And, uh-huh. and she learned that he had dabbled with it on and off throughout the years. And he was honest with her, and it, and it really opened up that. So uh, it's never too late. It needs to be talked about whenever. Yeah. But I agree with you that dating is the ideal time before engagement. Right. Yeah, right. for sure. And I heard some good advice. This is actually from Dr. Adam Moore, who said, you know what, instead of just jumping into the conversation, because often, like, if we're surprised, our reaction is defense. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Maybe say, hey, I'd like to talk about this issue of pornography. It's a big deal for our generation. Could we um, plan to talk about that next week? And that gives someone time to like kind of think it through, be more prepared emotionally for that conversation. Instead of the first date ambush. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which is... (laughs) Which really leaves somebody flat-footed, and, I, and I, I have tremendous compassion for the fear of you know, not wanting to invest or go further into a relationship if you know that this person's 
not healthy or, or whatever. But I think you'll be able to find out if this person, you know, is someone you even have an interest in connecting with and, and going forward with lots of other ways besides that one question. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not one dimensional. Right. And so <clears throat> how do you even bring it up? Like once you're, you've maybe set a date or a time to start talking, um, <clears throat> you can start maybe, well, like I said before, like how did your parents or what was your experience in your family? Yeah. Um, or a personal experience uh, that you've had or even bringing in something from the news. Gosh, this, you know, me too thing is um, really in the news lately and, um, you know, maybe jumping out from there or just, you know, something current or um, it's in the entertainment so much, you know, I saw this movie and I ended up, you know, kind of feeling ambushed by the content. And I wonder, you know, how how do you Mm -hmm. handle things like that and, and like move on from there to how we've been affected by media, including pornography? Yeah. Well, that's great. I I think that bringing it up from a place of, you know, this common sense of humanity, we're all affected by it. How, Mm -hmm. what's been your response versus this FBI interrogation of, you know, have you yes or no. And, Mm -hmm. and I I do think that it it should, don't you think, Vana, don't you think it should work its way into understanding their personal, um, you know, indulgence or struggle or temptations or just kind of how they navigate that and how they've dealt with it and how much, how involved they've been? Yeah. So when it gets to that, you know, point of like sharing your history, sharing your experiences and where you've been, um, it's it can be challenging, but like hopefully there's you know, I said like I said enough trust in this um, relationship. So some questions you can ask someone who says, "Yeah, I've I have a history, or I am currently struggling." Then um, asking them um, more than how often do you use it. I've actually heard that from a lot of girls that they think that's the question. Well, when's the last time you viewed it? Or how often do you use it? There's a lot more to using pornography and having a problem with it than just the frequency right. <laughs> of it. And so, uh, you know, maybe asking, what have you tried so far? How well is that working? Do you feel like you're making progress? Do you feel like you need more help? What are your goals? How is How do you feel like pornography has, like, um, put up roadblocks in your life to the things that you want um, more than just, you know, how often do you view it? Cause it, it feels like someone's trying to determine a whole um, picture of someone's pornography use by just a number. And that, that really won't be very helpful. No. And I think it's important to understand what distance they've covered. You know, you may have somebody mm-hmm. who, has barely started looking at it and is just starting to figure out how to get help for it. And so they maybe looked at it last week, but let's say that they just barely started versus somebody who's been battling this for years since they were a kid, and but they've come a long way and they barely, you know what I'm saying? There's just, there's so much of a story to, to understand the struggle and, and where they are with it and what it means to them that would really be important to listen to and understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we feel like, 
you can't really have a real conversation about this unless you understand what recovery is. And there are so many myths out there about recovery. And so part of what we've been talking about um, is this, what, what to expect in recovery so that you have something to talk about and evaluate with um, the people in this relationship. Um, so knowing the difference between what we call sobriety or abstinence and recovery. Sobriety is not looking at pornography, which is a great thing. Like, let's celebrate that. If someone can start achieving some sobriety, that that's the beginning of recovery, and it's really important. But it's not the end of recovery. Right. That's universally the first goal is to not mm-hmm. look at it, right? Right. But recovery is going to take more looking at the things that are driving someone to turn to pornography and addressing those. So um, learning healthy stress responses, um, building real connection because pornography is so isolating, being uh, humble and honest and accountable and, you know, um, having a plan and some skills for what to do when they feel the temptation to view pornography, understanding what the addiction cycle is and, and what, and recognizing when they're getting into it and having a plan for how to get out of it. Of course, some spiritual healing, turning to um, their higher power, God, and uh, hopefully a spiritual advisor who can help them along that path. I mean, basically it's learning some healthy living for a lifetime. And it's not just getting to a number where, you know, okay, I haven't looked at it anymore because there could still be a lot going on inside someone that is destructive. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, you see people that are incredibly, you know, controlled with their behavior, but they're just a wreck mm-hmm. inside. Right. They're not easy to live yeah. with. They're not connected. They're, you know, there's a lot of other challenges that come with that. So behavioral control is is not the only goal here. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love that. And I so, love that. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to talk about with, with someone, well, what are you doing? What is your plan? Um, many people who are finding good recovery will do things like they're mm-hmm. going to qualified counseling. They're involved in a group or a 12-step group of some kind so that they have a peer group support and probably working with a sponsor or an accountability partner. Um, they'll be educating themselves on the subject and they will have um, some support from a church leader or a spiritual advisor. Um, all of those things can be markers that someone is figuring out, you know, what it takes, what help they need um, to find recovery. And so talking about how well those things are working for someone can help you understand, you know, where, where are they? And, uh, and these are good questions for men to ask women, women to ask men, right? This is not, exactly. (laughs) like you were saying, this is not just, um, all the guys need to be defensive and all the women need to be on, on the, on, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the stand trying to like, or, you know, trying to cross examine their, their uh, boyfriend on the stand. This is not, this is not just a one-way thing anymore. This is a conversation for both people to be honest about the impact it's had on them. Mm-hmm. And for young men to be prepared to not be shocked if they hear 
from yeah. a woman that they're dating that she's struggling to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's also, this is something Dr. Jill Manning has talked about, that she really encourages young people when they're dating and, and these things come up in whatever way to, to use that as a marker to slow down the relationship a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I think she at one point had talked about putting off marriage even and really taking time to uh, solidify your recovery and and just make sure that that work is being done or accounted for in place before you make deeper commitments. Right. And that's why we want young people to be prepared with some of these tools and skills to have these conversations so that they can make good decisions. Because of course we want people to support each other, but that does not mean getting into a relationship where you're trying to fix someone because you cannot fix someone else. That's one of the biggest things we need to get across. Yeah. Um, you, you want to find someone who is finding a way to work on themselves and, and making progress. Um, boundaries is a really great concept, even in dating. Like we talk a lot about it in marriage, but starting in dating, like understanding that boundaries are teaching other people how you want to be treated, um, valuing yourself and not using, not using them as punishment or threats, but just saying, you know, maybe in a dating relationship, hey, I um, really support you in your in your work to get better. But um, when I can see that you are working your plan and you're going to your counseling or participating in your groups, then I feel safe to continue the relationship. But you know, when maybe you aren't doing those things and you're feeling like you're too busy or you know, other things are getting in the way, then um, I might need to pull back from relationship for a while. Yeah, I love that. Giving people permission to, um, you know, just to slow things down and, and have a voice in this and not just feel like, well, we've already come this far, I guess, why would I abandon them? It's okay to, mm-hmm. to slow it down and say, I, I don't know that I'm prepared or interested in, in you know, I want to join you in your journey, right? I'm ha- I might be willing to work with you in your own process, but I'm not going to become your process. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Like and, that. and And I also think that, you know, it, it seems like I've said this a million times, but I'm just going to say it again, that marriage won't fix this problem by just being able to now have sex right. um, or be able to uh, live together and, and have more proximity. It's, it's, it's going to widen any existing gaps you already have. And so marriage isn't naturally just going to, because this Mm -hmm. issue isn't even about sex. It's about emotions and shame and other kinds of things. And so um, having the additional pressures of being married and, and then, you know, for most people potentially having children and and career and other things, it's just going to add on more things you have to manage. And if you don't manage them already dating, it's not going to be any easier with those additional pressures. Right. That, that's a really important concept about, you know, because that's still out there that if we get married, that'll solve this problem. And, um, so I'll just share an analogy with you and you can tell me if you think this fits, but someone, you know, thinking that sex will solve the addiction. It's like, 
um, if you had a friend who was an alcoholic and you wanted to help them, so you brought them a really great smoothie that was filled with all the nutritional boosts and everything every day. And he said, here, this is, this will take care of it. And of course that person might really enjoy the smoothie, but it's, they're still going to need to return to the alcohol until they figure out why they're going to alcohol and recover from that. Um, So, uh, and if someone is like truly addicted, they're going to have to resolve that. They're not addicted to sex. They're addicted to the experience of pornography. One of my young friends calls it a pixel addiction, which is different from a real sexual relationship. Yeah. I love your analogy, by the way. I think that's really accurate. Because I think I think the pressure, or at least a lot of a lot of couples feel like, well, I've got something to offer. I can help you with this, and it's and it's not that. It's not your body. It's not it's yeah. not even your love. I mean, it's 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 this person has a relationship they need to break up with before they can connect to you, mm-hmm. right? And so, and that's so hard to help girls, especially understand that it is not a, f- a reflection on them. No. It, the problem started long before they met this person and they're beautiful and they're worthy and it's really hard to yeah get past that self reflection but yeah but he was a lot of these guys of have been yeah a lot of these guys have been quote unquote dating pornography since they were children and oh yeah and so they need to they need to put some closure on that relationship before they can open themselves up to a, a full intimate human connection and mm-hmm. Otherwise, you just get half a relationship, and it's just so damaging. Right. So you, and it's possible, yeah. but we have to tell both sides yes. of the story. Yeah, be cautious, but be hopeful. Right. Because it's very possible to for someone to, again, become stronger than they ever were before as they overcome pornography, and they'll be a fabulous uh, mate. But right. you've got to make sure they're on that path and they're committed to that path. I mean, how wonderful to go into a marriage with your eyes so wide open, having some very vulnerable, intimate conversations that many couples never have the privilege of having if everything just, you know, carry, you know, they just go through their life living and, and, and whatever. But like, I I just think there's so much benefit from using these personal challenges and struggles as embarrassing or as shameful as they may be initially they really do open up potential for some wonderful conversations that will, I mean, when you're, when you're there and you're getting married and you're starting your life together, you, you can potentially have a very secure knowledge knowing that this person, that you have seen all of them, everything, that there's no secrets, no hiding, that they're self-aware, that they're, they're committed to self-improvement. They're committed to being open. I mean, there's just so much safety in that. If, Mm -hmm. if you find someone who's willing to do that work, and not run from it. Right. If you, if a couple can talk about pornography, they can talk about anything. Exactly. And it's going to spread out into their whole lives with yep. all of the challenges that they face. They will have learned some amazing things about communicating and honesty and working on yourself and understanding your emotions. And, and I see this like re- real time. Like yeah. I see it in young couples and, and this is changing. Like what happened 
to many couples in the past is like the disclosure came after years of marriage and betrayal trauma and yep. just blow explosion. But now I'm seeing so many young couples talk about it before they get married. And, and so it's a different experience. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's a different experience and they're going into it with the knowledge of what they're dealing with. They're still trying to figure it out, of course. Um, but I just see this uh, support. And what I hear from a lot of the young wives that I've talked to who are married to people who are working on their recovery is they see it as like we both have things that we're working on and we're going to share our journeys in with our own struggles together. Right. But there's not secrecy. There's not manipulation and gaslighting mm -hmm. and, and that that piece of it, which is really what the core of betrayal trauma is. Um, in my experience, right. betrayal trauma is really less about the fact that this person has an, a personal struggle with an addiction. It's more about feeling so manipulated and controlled by secrecy yeah. and lies. Mm -hmm. Going into a relationship where you've already covered all of that and you're talking openly, um, in my experience, when somebody is dating and it's still a young relationship, the the girlfriend or the boyfriend, and, and you know, in some cases, they don't generally experience any sort of level of major betrayal trauma when this comes up and is disclosed, mm. um, because there's an understanding that we're discovering each other still, and mm. it's very different than holding your breath and hoping it never comes up again, and then you know, five, ten years down the road in marriage, it comes up, and that's when it's really hard to work with. So now's the time. Yeah. Now's the you time. know, I really feel like these young adults, this is the time to reach them. So they've, they're out of their parents' homes where, you know, there was a certain level of control or the parents, you know, doing the best they can or, right. or whatever. And now they're independent and now they're learning these life management skills are making big decisions about relationships and what they're going to do with their lives. And it's just an ideal time to reach them with this message and, I just feel like we can prevent a lot of these really disastrous things that have happened um, or at least mitigate them and make them easier for them to to handle if we help them out now. Right, because we move past the whole scaring all the teenagers about how bad it is and we get into a, right. <laughs> a, more, a more productive conversation with young adults who are actually now starting to care about this and they're looking about – building a secure future for themselves and their families. And so there, there's a mm -hmm. level of motivation and interest, even just a couple years past, uh, you know, high school where they're really starting to ask better questions and we want to give them resources. And I, I love that you've prepared some of these resources. Vana has, uh, produced on her reach 10 website, a guide about how to talk about pornography when you're dating. Uh, can people just go on to reach 10.org and find that pretty easily? Right. It's right on the top of the page oh, okay and it's just a free download and we'd love like for people to read through it themselves and then if they can think of a way to share it <laughs> whether that's you know talking with their friends even or asking to give a lesson at church on it so that we're spreading this and you know the more knowledge there is out there um then we can kind of change the whole culture yeah, I love that. I mean, that's why your organization is called Reach 10. It's about just 10 people. Reach 10 people, say something, you know, print off or forward it to 10 people and, and start the conversation and get this get these resources out. Everybody knows somebody who's dating 
And it's such easy stuff to share these days. And so if you go to reach10.org and look for that link um, on, the, on the top menu about uh, how to talk about pornography when you're dating, Vana says that that is a free resource. You can download that and review it and share it with others. Vana, thank you so much for your thoughts on this. People can follow you guys on social media and also you have a website. Do you have emails that you send out as well or is it all just social media mostly? Yes, you can subscribe to our email on okay. the website. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And as you develop more resources and and have more uh, groups or presentations or opportunities, then people can learn more about that. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Jeff, for all the good you're doing. If you want to learn more about Vanna Davis and her organization, you can visit them at reach10.org. That's reach10.org. Follow them on social media as well. They're pretty active on Instagram. And you can also download that free guide that we talked about, the dating guide that will give you some great tips and information on how to have this conversation. Great resources and a great organization. And I just want to thank Vanna once again for spending some time with us and orienting everyone to these fabulous resources. In the next edition of the Illuminate podcast, I am excited to uh, introduce you to Dr. Don Hilton, who is a brain surgeon out of Texas who has written extensively on the impact of pornography on the brain. And he's going to join us and we're going to talk about all kinds of brain stuff And I think you'll find it very, very fascinating. So thank you again for listening and supporting the Illuminate podcast. Until next time.